Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. Indeed it is. Every single Tuesday between 6 and 7, it is an hour of all things Manchester City right here on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. This is Forever Blue. Uh, and we've got, of course, a match to talk about yesterday. That was a City game down at Spurs. With me is the globetrotter, that is Paul Dickoff, who's just come back from somewhere and he's going somewhere else and he's never here. But we've got him. We've actually got him in the studio for one week. Do you know what day it is? I don't, but I wouldn't rather be any other place cheesy than here. <laughs> you say the nicest Absolutely. things. Uh, I've got to start with a sort of serious point, really, which obviously you were a Leicester City player and we saw the terrible events at the weekend. You, did you meet the, the Leicester City owner and did, did you have any contact with him? Yeah, the, um, the opportunity, well, I met him a few times and just a, a lovely, lovely guy. Absolutely tragic, not just for, for Leicester City or Leicester City supporters or the... The city of Leicester, um, but for his family as well. You know, it's just um, just a shame and lost for words, really. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those gobsmacking things that you can't take in, really. And I've I've been in the ground and seen that helicopter take off and uh, and thought, wow, you know, a helicopter inside a stadium. But then when that happens, you just it's, it's devastation, cheesy, you know. And I'm still I had four great years at Leicester as a player, and um, still got a lot of good friends there, and, and everybody's just devastated, as you would imagine. Well, obviously our thoughts, and I'm sure your thoughts are with to all those who have yeah. lost anybody everybody. there. The other person I wanted to mention quickly tonight is the former Manchester Evening News United journalist, and I know this is a city show, David Meek, who's passed away, who uh, who I respected tremendously because he was... he was. Uh, this sounds wrong on my part, but he was sort of my equivalent, if you like, at Manchester United. He was he was known as a journalist that followed that club for so many years on the Manchester Union News. He was a lovely gentleman. I don't know if you ever came across him, yes, but, I did. I but did. a magnificent man, and we've lost him as well Fantastic today. Fantastic reporter as well. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, um, it's a sad time, really, for everybody, isn't it? But people say the football family comes together, and we've seen that happening over the last couple of days as well. It is a football family, and it should be a football family, and all that tribalism 
uh, that we love to have banter about should should be laid aside at times like this. Uh, now, having said that, I'm now going to have a go at Tottenham because obviously their ground wasn't ready. I went down yesterday That's to right. White Hart Lane and I thought, you know what, I'm going to have a look at this, just see what it's like. I did a little bit of filming outside, which will all be on the vlog that I do on YouTube tomorrow night. And the, the, the ground looks to me as if it's a long way from ready. I don't know how they ever thought that that ground was going to be ready. So obviously the match is then moved to Wembley. We know that it was moved to the Monday night because of the NFL, etc. I get inside the stadium, I look at the pitch, and I think this pitch has got certainly lots of marks on it, um, you know, discoloured, etc. Hard to tell as a spectator just how bad that pitch was. Now, I, I got a, a message privately, although I'm not going to reveal this private message, I don't think he'll mind, from Lee Jackson, the city groundsman, who said to me, there's a lot of uh, misinformation knocking around about this pitch. He said uh, the City pitch and the Wembley pitch both have Desod Grassmaster, the system that they build it through, which is basically plastics woven into the roots underneath the soil. And what he says, and what he's explained to me in the past, is that this means that that the turf doesn't sort of dig up or, or you don't end up with divots or anything like that. You can skim off the, the grass blades on the top but you should still have a smooth solid surface on the top now i could see that the the pitch was a bit threadbare on one of the touch lines and certainly down the middle we could see the nfl logo and it looked uh, like that there now i was at the game i suspect were you watching the game yeah, I was on tv and, and people have told me that when lamella had that chance the ball bobbled just before he hit it which may have been a result of the pitch now when i was stood on the touch line i must admit i, I looked at it and i thought is this going to be a problem bear in mind what lee had been telling me you watch the game, you're a pro, you play the game, you know how the subtleties of pitch, um, you know, makeups, if you like, affect the game. Do you believe that the pitch played a significant part or was it just superficial? Um, I thought it was a throwback. I used to love playing in pitches like that. Um, there's bobbles left, right and centre. That's probably why I didn't score enough goals. Um, but <laughs> looking at the game last night, I think clearly, um, even I thought Man City again were great. Um, but not at their best and I do think the pitch was a factor on that you know how many times last night um, and I thought these two John Stones and Yemenik Laporte were absolutely outstanding I think they've knocked the ball 30-40 yards long more in one game than they did all of last season you know every time there was, there was no risk at all you know the ball was going down the touchline they were running putting it into the stand we never ever see that with Manchester City and I genuinely think it stopped Manchester City and Tottenham playing the way that they want to do and it took a lot away for the game now to have two of your best teams two of the best Premier League teams well obviously one of the best in, in City um, two teams that are in the Champions League and we're all promoting um, English football we're promoting the Premier League we're promoting how good it is how it's the best league in the world to have a pitch like that to play two of the top teams in the country on it I just thought was a disgrace so who, I mean, obviously City fans are really upset about it, because not least because the fixture got moved after it had already been selected for Sky TV. So therefore, at that point, they felt comfortable making plans for cheap train travel or bus travel and hotels and all sorts. And then it got moved again to the Monday. Who do you blame for the, for the fact that, it, that it's been played on that pitch 24 hours after? Should the Premier League have done something? Should Sky have done something? Should, should Tottenham have been punished? Some people say points deduction. I mean, City, exemplary, as you'd expect. They, they sent coaches down with fans on for free. They did refund people who could prove that they'd made these, um, the, these, 
bookings for things that couldn't therefore be refunded. So they did their part, but but a lot of angry City fans who spoke to me say, well, we saw the pitch, we saw all the dis... Why was nobody punished as a result? I, I don't, I've got to be honest, I don't know the ins and outs, but whether it's a collective thing, whether the Premier League, the, 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 t- the media outlets, the Tottenham, the FA, the Wembley... Um, and the NFL have got obviously got some part in it as well. Whether they all take a share of the blame themselves, but I, do, I just don't feel. Um, I was so looking forward to the game last night because we've had some fantastic games against Tottenham over the last few years. You know, we all know Pochettino's teams how they play. They work hard. They're, they're energetic. They're strong. They've got some fantastic players, and, and obviously the world class players that Manchester City got. And that should have been um, a showcase game, not just for us to sit and watch at home or you at Wembley for, to go and showcase the Premier League around the world. And, and to play in that pitch for me personally just ruined that. There will be people, of course, who are perhaps not City fans particularly, who will be saying, "Hang on a minute!" And you've you've already alluded to it. You played on much worse pitches in your day. Why can the modern day footballer? Yeah, we didn't who, play that style of football. Well, that's that's the question. Well. Is that the difference? That, we're, we're talking about Manchester City. You know, there's no way any team that I played in, whether it been City or not, would have played that sort of football in there. Uh, what I've got to say on the flip side of it, what a brilliant result for Manchester. But Pep Guardiola must have been absolutely delighted last night to see his team not at their best, which we weren't, um, on that pitch against one of their rivals and to grind out a 1-0 win. Um, I just thought it was a fantastic result. People are talking about us going forward, the amount of goals we score, six clean sheets in, in a row in the Premier League. You know, I think three goals conceded in ten Premier League games. That's an unbelievable record for any club and especially for a team that supposedly can't defend. Obviously, you singled out the two central defenders, particularly as having played well, and I wouldn't argue with that at all. The two full-backs, though, have had quite a bit of stick from the City fans. I mean, obviously, I talked to a lot of fans after the game, and Mendy was the first name that was on everybody's lips. They didn't feel he'd played well at all. Do you think that the pitch may have played a part, or, or are we looking at potentially a problem in these big games from Mendy? No, I don't think so. I, I just think with Mendy and, and possibly Kyle Walker, Kyle Walker's been outstanding since he came to the club, um, but he's just been out injured. Um, and Mendy, people have got to remember, he missed majority, if not all of last season, you know, with his injury, went straight into the World Cup. And, and it takes time. You can't expect the injury that he had for people to come out um, and just be the Mendy who was at Monaco and who was signed. It, it doesn't happen like that. You know, you're going to have... A, a patch within your comeback where it's going to be a little bit dodgy, but that's where, that's when you've got to stick by them. There's no doubt he's 23 years old. You know he, he's an unbelievable talent. He's um, his delivery is fantastic. People possibly defensively question him a little bit, but he's got pace to get himself out of it, and he's still learning. You know, and and he will get better, and he will have bad games as well. I just think that. We expect so much of every single player at Manchester City now that when they do have an off day, it's, it's such a shock, you know. Um, and, and and he'll be fine. He, he'll be a major, major player for us again this season, as well, Kyle Walker. I know we've seen relatively few games from uh, Benjamin Mendy so far because of the injury problems that he had last season. And uh, before the game, as I was travelling down, I'm chatting to my mate, and I'm, we, we actually expressed some of those concerns about his per- perceived defensive weakness. Um, and But then I said uh, he seems to have learnt a lot under Pep because it surprised me that it, he's been very subtle in his passing and his positional play. So do we just... Do you, I mean, I feel as if I want to just draw a line under that performance yesterday and put it down to the pitch and say, come on, anybody can have a bad game if that's what it was and move on. Is that you, where, where you Absolutely. are? Absolutely. And, and look, you take... We've spoke about um, the two centre-halves 
I thought Ederson again was exemplary in everything that he done. Uh, I thought Fernandinho in front of him was oh, outstanding. brilliant, wasn't he? Absolutely outstanding. But can can you tell me another player who played to their potential last night? I thought the two Silvers played well. Bernardo, for me, is, is the, flying at yeah, the moment. Yeah, I, I, I thought they played okay. But to the standards that they've set themselves um, and the level they've set themselves, I thought they were below that. Um, and as I said, apart from that, the goalkeeper, the two centre-halves and, and Fernandinho, um, I think everybody was below the level that we expect. So it's it's a bit harsh to start picking out one or two when there was probably another five or six. Are you worried about Kevin De Bruyne at all? I know what the answer's going to be, but he hasn't hit the ground running since he's come back from injury and the little cameos he's made. No, not at all. He's he's just a truly world-class player up there with the best in the world. And, and yet again, he's been out for a long period, you know, and it, it does sometimes take a little bit, um, not so much training-wise, but he can't beat getting that match sharpness back again. Um, and obviously with all the games that we've got coming up, um, Kevin De Bruyne, he, he'll be back to his best very soon. City play Fulham on Thursday in the Carabao Cup and I know ticket prices are very reasonably priced but it's a horrible night, Thursday night and right in the middle of a sequence I think of four home games with the Manchester Derby being the last of them so there'll be concerns that not enough of people come down I hope loads of people do come down and I, I'd love to see I, I don't know if you agree with me on this but Kevin De Bruyne start that game I know it's only a League Cup tie I know it's not the priority but it feels to me as if he needs a game he needs either a 90 minutes or a 75 minutes to, to properly get fit and get his rhythm back again as, as soon as I seen him not starting last night I thought he he is penciled in to get 90 minutes I mean well what do I know you know but as soon as I seen the bench in a game of that magnitude against Tottenham which but people will say that yeah, we should be. If Tottenham had beat us last night, we would have. They would have went above us, you know. So it was a huge game last night, and to leave Kevin De Bruyne on the bench said to me that they want to get ninety minutes or, or get a good 60, 70 minutes in on Tuesday night, and possibly Leroy Sane and the other ones, Gabriel Jesus, you know, who need the match time. And and saying that the the Carabao Cup doesn't really matter. That you know that that was one of our catalysts of last season, you know, that to go and get that first trophy under Pep and then go on again and then go on again, you know. So. Pep showed last season, yes, in the earlier rounds he did, he did change it a lot, but we've also seen how serious he was taking it as well. The cup competitions generally, I think players like to play in them because it keeps the momentum going, and also with a squad which is so fulsome and so talented as cities, and they can't all play every week, it does give everybody a chance to play, doesn't it? And I don't mean here's a second team, here's a first team, you can genuinely rotate in these games, can you? You look at the, the possibility of the team that we could have, you know, in the company... Um, Otamendi, you know they're talking obviously they're talking about De Bruyne, um, Gabriel Jesus, Leroy Sane, you know that Phil Foden, you know that that's that's a strong team. That's a, t- a lot of players that would get in MDs starting eleven. Well, next week um, against Shakhtar, the eight uh, you'll you'll know the eighteen ninety four group. There are a group of City supporters who are prominently in the South Stand who like to try to create atmosphere. We've talked to them before, and Trevor from the eighteen ninety four group joins us now. Uh, and you've got plans next week to create a mosaic, haven't you? When the the teams come out against Shakhtar, and you're looking for volunteers, Trevor, to to help you lay that all out. That's correct, Ian. Thanks very much for giving us a call as well. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, um, next Wednesday, we've got what I see as probably the most important game so far in the group stages against Shakhtar. If, uh, if we win, we qualify in, and it also puts us in a good place for uh, winning that particular group. So uh, after the game against Leon at home as well, when uh, it was said to be quiet and not much of an atmosphere, we wanted to give uh, the team a good welcome when they come out against uh, Shakhtar. 
So um, we've planned a mosaic for the uh, lower tier, the south stand, and a few drop-down banners as well. I'll not uh, give too much out, then it's a nice surprise. But um, we've got 3,500 cards to lay out in the lower tier of south stand. Uh, and what we need is some volunteers to help us, because if, uh, if there's only me there with 3,500 cards, it'd probably take me about two or three days. <laughs> and we had a spell in the, uh, in the afternoon to go into the stadium at 2 o'clock next Wednesday, and we need about 15 of us, really, 15 people all helping out, laying out the cards. It'd take us about two hours. What do, what do people uh, do, then? If they want? Because, uh, right, I'll volunteer, put my hand up straight yeah. away. I will come and help lay out some of the mosaic. There is an, uh, an under-19 game between City and Shakhtar in the uh, Academy Stadium at three. So your timing yeah. of two o'clock is perfect for me. I'll come down there, I'll do 45 yeah. minutes laying some out, and then I'll go and watch the under-19 game. Other people might want to do it. If they want to join us, how do they do it? Well, you could do that. You could come and then just leave after an hour because if there is about 15 of those, chances are you could get it done in an hour, an hour and a half and could catch the game across the road. Uh, but you virtually meet us at 2 p.m. At, uh, at the main entrance. Um, I'd have to take your details down first. We have to get that passed for security. They'll be coming to the stadium. Um, it's a pretty simple layout that I'm doing, quite a simple design. Uh, so we're just virtually laying out a card for every seat in the lowest house, and tier from blocks 114 to 119. Is it fair to say that you're a bit of an artist, Trevor, then, and, and this is actually your design? <laughs> yeah, well, we've been doing this five years now, so painting banners and laying out mosaics is something that I've never done before in my life, but now doing it for five years, I'm getting quite good, quite quick at it, so <laughs> experience tells. You do it on a computer, or is it all in your head? In, in your head, really. If we do anything with writing in it, then we computerise it and do some planned drawings. But for something uh, on uh, on next Wednesday, when it's just a basic uh, display, we just get into the stand and I'll say, right, blue goes there, black goes there, and we arrange it and lay it all out. Oh, so there's, there's blue and black in it, we know that then. Yeah, yeah, I'm giving some away now as we speak. <laughs> 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 so obviously um, you, you, the object is to try to create an atmosphere and they do look great those mosaics when the teams come out but there's more to it than that as well isn't there I mean you know you get people sort of sniping who are fans of other teams and go oh, you can have your little mosaics but how does that alter the, the atmosphere it's not just about that is it yeah it, it's, it's giving a feeling for the players the players come out look to the right and they see that the fans are really involved and it's, it can be sometimes a little bit intimidating too to the uh, opposition team you can say well these fans are up for it aren't they so it's going to take a bit to quieten them down um, so so basically another appeal that we like to say is as well as as well as we need 15 fans to uh, come in and help us in the afternoon is fans that are in the south stand on that, that evening if they can get into the seats early if they can uh, because the mosaic's only as good as the number of people that hold the cards up if only 70% get held up it, it messes the mosaic a little bit so we appeal for fans to go into the stands early and then when they do see the card hold it up for 30 seconds or so Absolutely uh, Right uh, you're going to do a tweet I think aren't you on the 1894 group so if people want to uh, follow that anyway it's at 1894 yeah. group is that it? Under at uh, 1894 group underscore MCFC, and we'll have details on there of the email address that you can email us, and then I'll take it over from there and, and, and pass the details on. And I and hopefully Paul and Excess Manchester will retweet that Absolutely. when you do that later yeah. on. We'll retweet it so that gets around lots of city fans, and then you'll have the details of how, how to meet you, where to meet you at two o'clock uh, next, yeah. next Wednesday. 
yeah, that's it. Fantastic. That's it. And one more appeal as well. If fans in the stadium when we do these displays, particularly on the Wednesday night, it's going to look good. It's something that we haven't done before. I appeal to fans, please take pictures or, or even better videos and send them into the 1894 uh, group Twitter because we, we don't get enough pictures these days. Uh, and it helps us an awful lot if we see pictures after the display. We can see if we've made mistakes and how we can improve things. Right, well, I'll come down and vlog from there as well. That'll help, won't it? Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> right, cheers, brilliant. Trev. Thank you very much. Well, Good luck with it. Okay. See you next week. Nice speaking to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can't be there, can you, because you'll be in Melbourne. I'm away, yeah, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Do, do, does your wife and your family ever see you? Uh, I think my wife's quite happy, actually. I think she's <laughs> glad to see the back of me sometimes, but all joking apart, it's uh, something I'm, I'm, I'm honoured to do, you know, to represent the club around the world and for them to ask me to do it is, is a fantastic honour. Well, have a safe trip. I know you're off tomorrow morning. Say hello to the people in Melbourne. Yep, Might be do. people who listen to the podcast version of this so we'll be looking forward to it's seeing you. It's hard working you there, you know, cheesy. I'm sure it absolutely is. Excess Manchester. This is the Manchester Football Social Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman. And at the moment, we're doing the debrief on uh, City against Spurs down at Wembley last night. Uh, you've got to say it was a, a superb result for City, although the last... I've got to admit, Paul, the la- I don't know if you felt like this, the last 20 minutes last night, for the first time in ages, I actually felt tense watching that game. What, what was the emotion you felt in the latter stages? Yeah, when it's 1-0, it's like you're always going to feel like that. But, you know, recently we're, we're back used to City being 3-4-0 up at that time and, and sitting back having a cigar watching the game, you know, taking it easy. But um, it was always going to be a tough game going down there. We've spoken about the pitch already. Um, big, big shout out, it's got to go out to the Man City fans who did travel down. I know we spoke about the disruption beforehand, but to see them go down there and sell out, you know, watching the game in the telly, all I could hear was a Man City fan singing, which, which, isn't, um, which isn't unusual. You looked around the ground and obviously, you know, I couldn't see the whole ground from where I was, but I suspect that I could see enough of it to work out. I think that, I'm not, I'm not seeing an official attendance, but I think it was 65,000. But what was clear was that the top tier was pretty much empty. And, uh, but yet the City fans absolutely sold packed out. in despite the, all the inconvenience and everything sold out I mean it says a lot doesn't it yeah that, but that's something that we expect we know how great the Manchester fans are you know and whether we were in League One the Championship or the, or the Premier League every single away game they, they sell out they're just phenomenal right we're going to be joined now by a birthday boy now it's your birthday in a couple of days isn't it Paul uh, yep remember remember the 1st of November that's what I got taught so yeah on Thursday Can, am I allowed to ask how old you'll be I uh, will be, I can't believe it, 46. 46? Yeah. Wow. I know. I know I don't look it, so you don't have to say that. Cheesy, that's all right. <laughs> well, there is an Exeter player who's celebrating his birthday today, and who is 51. So it feels like we should do a big rousing performance of for both of you. Happy birthday to you. So, David White, happy birthday. How's it been? Thank you. Happy Thank birthday, you David. Cheers, Paul. Thank you all. Uh, I've been sat at home working all day, so uh, nothing nothing too special happening, but uh, come around too quick these days, to be fair. They you feel old? They one now, don't they? <laughs> they do. Do you feel old? Do I feel old? Uh, no, I don't, to be perfect. I feel, I feel I'm just a kid at heart, so uh, probably the least mature person in my house, so I've got, and I've got a six-year-old in here, so uh, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't. My body feels uh, a bit creaky, but uh, no, um, I'm just a, a, an idiot at heart, to be honest with you. So. An idiot who played football for City and who played down the wings, yeah. and you saw the wings at Wembley last night. 
yeah. they looked a little bit different than the rest of the pitch. They were, uh, you know, talking to Paul about whether the conditions of the pitch were quite as bad as the superficial view of bits of gr top grass missing. What do you think? I think definitely. I, I think you know any any pitch. You, you know, you put you play on. Well, these days, obviously, they, they used to play on, on you know unbelievable pitches. You know, day to day in training, it was a, a lot different uh, back while we were playing. You, you, you know, some sometimes stand at the stand at the pitch in incredible condition, and, and, and other times we we always had a great pitch at Main Road to be fair. But you go other places, and, and and they'd be horrible, but they'd be sort of consistently horrible. So you, you knew what you faced with that. That yesterday just looked like you know any particular area of the pitch. They were, you know, what to. Kind of almost what surface. I remember playing uh, only very early games at, at, at City. We played in uh, my first pre-season tour. It was in uh, so it was an end of season tour. It was in. Uh, we played Hollywood Kickers, and uh, Jimmy Freeze put me on. And uh, and uh, the left back was pretty slow. So I got the ball, just knocked it past him and ran past him. And um, and literally when hey over TV, you know, I was saying as, as I got past the defender, looked down. There was a, there was a piece of astroturf on the pitch. And underneath the astroturf was the long jump pit, and I'd literally run over astroturf over sand, uh, and that's kind of <laughs> what it looked a little bit like last night. To be perfectly honest with you, and it could be dangerous. You know, that's the uh, that, that's the thing. It's uh, it, it's uh, it shouldn't have been allowed. I think it's. Uh, I think we've had ridiculous weather, and, and, and it's every time you see those those pit, the, that Wembley pitch the day after uh, the NFL games, it, it's it's looked a mess. And I just I just think the Premier League should have said no. Find, find another alternative. I'll tell you a story. I went. Uh, Paul will possibly be able to relate to this because he's been to China quite a bit recently. But I remember going on a post-season trip to China with Stockport County at the time when Sammy McElroy was in charge and Mark Lillis was on the uh, was on the coaching staff. And they played two games in two successive days on a pitch in a place called Arumachi. One was Stockport County against I think the Kazakhstan Army team or something. And then the following day, they played another game on the same pitch. And it was bad enough the first day, but by the second day, it was like little tufts of raised grass, uh, uh, like a little island surrounded by sand. And Sammy McElroy said, I'm not having my team playing on this. And he got all yeah. the local journalists and everything like that to play against whoever this team was. He played, to, to all fair dues to Sammy McElroy, he played. Uh, yeah, I think I did make an appearance. I mean, oh, my ankles tremendous. and my knees were better then. Uh, but that, that's the worst pitch I've ever seen. Have you? Has there been something you played on like that, Paul? Nothing that bad. The only thing I took care of was manager at Oldham. We went to Portugal pre-season um, and we relied on an agency, big learning curve for me to arrange a game against um, Porto Menezes. Um, at a neutral venue, they were told the stadium was going to be great and when we got there, there was literally... Um, holes all over the pitch, six inches deep, um, just covered in potholes basically, rocks on it, glass on it, um, and I actually called the game off, you know, because my, my squad wasn't the biggest. And, and, and as David rightly said, even that pitch last night is dangerous when you look at the millions and millions of pounds worth of talent that's there. You know, the last thing you want to do is get, is get injured because of the state of the pitch. And I suppose it affects uh, David, a winger. Or, or indeed a fullback like Kyle Walker and Benjamin Mendy more than any other player if if that's stripped down the flank where you're going to run the ball and then chase after it or want to subtly manoeuvre the ball around that's going to affect you more than probably any other player on the pitch isn't it? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, watching it last night, I mean, it was madness watching it on the telly. You're asking yourself why Mendy stood off the pitch half the time, because he, he, he literally looked like he was stood in the... I mean, <clears throat> the... Uh, the area they, they warm up in these days is better than some of the pitches we, we played on. But, you know, that's where he, he looked like he was standing. It just looked crazy. And and as you say, the you know, when you, you're playing on a, a bad... If, it, if it's a, a wet pitch, and we, we, we did used to play on some awful pitches, particularly set times of the season, but it, it was consistently that's that's what it was. And, and even the, um, the run of the ball last night, for, given that we've got the best, you know, supposedly the best product in the world... Uh, and they must have, must have known that it would, you know, even just play the game there, but don't don't show it live on telly to to the rest of the world. It, it was a, it was just a, a mockery, and it, it just um, showed showed the Premier League up to me last night in, in English football. Up, it was it was awful. Do you feel the, way... the result? Yeah, absolutely. The result yeah. was perfect. The way that it's going at the moment, obviously City have only dropped four points uh, away at Anfield, away at Wolves. But similarly, Liverpool uh, at the moment haven't blinked and they're having a phenomenal start to the season. Do, do you believe, either of you really, and both of you, you know, do you believe this is going to continue all the way through or is somebody suddenly going to fall away? And Chelsea are, are not far behind either, are they? No, I think um, you've, you've still got to look at look at Arsenal as, as well, and um, <clears throat> I mean they've, they've been on a fantastic run. I know people are people are saying they, you know maybe they haven't played anybody, and up pointing to the fact that City uh, played three big away games, but, but ultimately, until you can't judge Arsenal until until they do they do uh, you know play play one of the big boys, and, and I think I think they're going to do a lot better this season against the the big teams than they have they have done recently. So you know, and 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 who goes if you know even if United aren't too far adrift come January, what what do they do? You know, they go and go and spend 150 million quid or something, and and suddenly their fortunes change if if, if you close. I just think uh, as much as it'd be, it'd be brilliant from City's point of view if they could if they could coast it again. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, and I think you know for the league and obviously for the neutral, it, it looks like it's shaping up to be a fantastic season. Yeah, and I just think, and I don't know what you think, David, and, and you, Cheesy, but it's our strength and depth. You know, I, I look at Chelsea being up there at the minute, and great start, and Osari's went in there and, and, and really got them at it. But if they lose an Eden Hazard um, for any amount of time, um, I know people talk about Salah at Liverpool, I believe that if Van Dijk, if they miss him for any amount of time, they've not got the replacements there to go and do it. You could say the same with Lacazette um, at Arsenal, who's scoring all the goals for them. Whereas we've been out with Kevin De Bruyne, um, all season apart from the last couple of weeks and if, if we do pick up one or two injuries I just feel that the world class players we've got behind them to come in and replace them is so much stronger than what it is if Liverpool picked up or Chelsea picked up or United or Arsenal, if they picked up a couple of injuries I don't think they've got the squad depth to compete whereas we have Is the one though player, is, it could be Fernandinho because obviously the lack of cover in that area or maybe even Aguero uh, 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 or Edison I mean obviously then Muric becomes the, the backup goalkeeper are those vulnerable or do you, do you feel the same about them all, all really? Well, you look at last season they were without Aguero um, or out Fernandinho you look at the injuries we actually had last season uh, if you go back through the course of the season it was it, there was five or six of them out at one time and we still cope with it you know and with Mares coming in with the experience the younger ones I've got from last season that's what makes us so strong whereas you know, I know I'm repeating myself I don't think Chelsea United Tottenham Arsenal um, I've got that strength and depth that we've got and I think that's come Christmas time when the games come thick and fast and people start picking up injuries that's when we'll start going away from the rest Dave, are you on, on board with that? Yeah, I mean, overall I definitely agree with 
you know, as our child family, you know, I've, I've always thought we've been <coughs> particularly vulnerable in that area. And he, he's, in, in general, he's kept playing. I think he, he's, uh, he's looking a bit, a little bit more jaded uh, this season. He, you know, he, you know, he didn't play an awful lot in the summer. He, he was there and, and he extended the season. And he's, uh, you know, he's of a, of a ripe old age to be fair now, but for a, a, an up and down player who, uh, and I mean that in the the nicest possible way. You know, he's, he's much more than that, but he does he does that work. Uh, and I, you know, to, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I suppose I'm looking forward to, you know, maybe the manager will, will choose one or two games where he will leave, leave him out and, and just see who else can put in there. Be it, uh, you know, uh, you know, if it, is it Delph, is it, is it even John Stones, is it you know, who, who's, who's going to do that job and who's going to support him? I think a massive thing having De Bruyne back in the team in the squad because he, he he has got the the end those energy levels as well that I think are. Very, very important around um, Daniel, but I think he, he he's definitely the one that I would I would be concerned with, and obviously the the goalkeeper you're going to concern yourself with, Andy. Yeah, I mean he's, he's a relatively inexperienced Murich, isn't he? Yeah, and and, and again uh, Aguero, I just I just think he, he is uh, in in most games we we get away with it. Obviously, I think a lot more than get away with it. He's but. Uh, I think there were a couple of big games last season where had he been in that team, I'm talking about the Liverpool games, you know, he was, uh, I can't remember, he was injured or something once suspended, but he, he didn't play but the bulk of them games and, and, and he was a massive, massive mess. And I think he's a, he's a, he's a much more all-rounded team player that, uh, under under Pep than, than, than he ever was. And obviously he was already a, a world-class player. He's, he's, he's kind of a... In, in the real sort of elite now, and uh, so yeah, you know, you put, you, what was it, as I say, overall, you can, you know, with the, the squad is so obviously yeah, the squad's the same size, but you've got so we've got quality one through twenty-five, and, uh, and you, you you can afford to rest players and, and almost not not miss them. You know, the, the team will go out and it just looks the same. The shape will, even though the shape will change a little bit, the the, the, uh, the method of play is the same, and, and everybody knows exactly what the what the job is at any given time. So. I think definitely we, uh, in, ter- in terms of strength and depth, we we are streets above everybody else. And so there's a lot of games now in quick succession. Obviously, the Tottenham game on a Monday, Fulham Thursday, Southampton, Shakhtar United, all one after the other. Um, I mean, does that is that something that you as as ex players, you know, would relish? Um, I mean, I know that they'll rotate the squad, but there might be players in there who play all those games or a lot of those games. Or do you worry about injuries, particularly when you've played on on that pitch at Wembley, which people were anxious about a little before the game? But do, is that where it catches up with you? There's the number of games. I don't manage, don't manage it through that. You know, in, in this day and age, it, it was um, it, to manage it through your injuries. They aren't, aren't going to rest players, but overall, with, with City generally winning games, generally. Although you, you, tiredness uh, catches up with you when, you when you're not able to win games. If you're uh, if you're going out there full of confidence and strolling games as we in general are, then uh, only tiredness should be a problem. People want to go out and play, don't they? Uh, you, you know, it's great when, in many ways, when you're winning games, it's great when you're going out every every three days and, and you, you're training sort of really cut down and, you, and you're doing what you what you, you sort of worked, worked all your life as a kid to do, which is go out and play football in front of 50,000 people. And if ever there was a player that never got tired, it was you, Paul. Or never appeared to get tired anyway. No, but you look at these, and I'm not saying that, that we weren't athletes, David, um, but, but they are supreme athletes, first and foremost now, the players now. If anything, they're probably too fit, and that's why they pick up these, these little injuries. Yeah. And, you know, when we 
when we were playing, I, I would like to think that we were fit and strong. Um, but you just get on with it. But there was never any talk of tiredness, David, was there? You just, uh, if you no, said you were no, tired, no. you would get absolutely battered off your manager for a start. Yeah, you and, and, and and game, you would never admit it. You would never ever no, admit I, it. No, you, you just cracked on. You, you just, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me, particularly when, you know, the very early days when, you know, I'm in a day, it was one sub. And, and you said, you know, the same 11 players were going out week in, uh, week, in week out if, if that was, uh, if, you, if you were winning games. And just to give up your shirt and, and uh, you know, this, this was a, you know, the area when it was literally one. 1 to 11, and, and you know, my I talk a lot about my, my shirt was number seven. I wasn't giving it to anybody, I wasn't, you know, I thought just to see that number seven held up, which fortunately for me didn't happen too, too often at City, and uh, you know, and, and, and to go off the pitch for whatever reason, it, it would absolutely destroy me. And uh, so, you, you were, you know, you really did want to protect your position on, on that pitch. It's, it's a much, you know, it is very, very different now, and it is much more of a, um, a squad effort. But yeah, you you uh, there's you know the uh, if you're asked were you fit, you'd say yes, I'm fit, and if you're asked were you tired, you'd say no, I'm I'm fine, let's go. Because any any sort of sign of weakness or an opportunity for the the manager to rest you would uh, you, you know you could be you could end up not playing for you know ten or fifteen games if, if the uh, you know the, the player that came in. I, I remember playing at. Um, when many many years ago, Mel Machen was manager and um, he signed signed Gary Maxson from Sheffield Wednesday, I think. And we're going playing at uh, Oldham on the plastic. And the day before the game, um, and I've been playing okay, playing well. And the day before the game, Mel Machen said to me, uh, "I'm going to leave you out tomorrow. I'm going to play Gary Maxson." He said, "He said I, don't, I just don't think the, the plastic pitch will suit you." And then I understand he was probably right in terms of did the pitch suit me and the type of player it was, but. To me, I just saw beyond that. I got, I got all the day before. It was before mobile phones, and I just rang him up and said, "I just think you're out of order. I think you just, you just try to find a way of getting a, a new player in the team." And I'm having it. So I turned up, turned up for the uh, the game tomorrow, the next day at Boundary Park, and, and I was playing. Um, and I think we we won the game. I made the goal. Gary Megson scored the goal. I was just going to say, didn't Gary Megson score the goal? Yeah, he did. I, I crossed it to the right. My goal scored it. Ian Brightwell was left out. It's it sort of my expense, which in turn should, it should have been a central midfielder. That's what Megal was. And, um, and if you look at the record, I don't think Brighton played for 12 games after that. Mm. And that's and that's what's going to what can happen. And uh, you know, things were things were very very different then in terms of wanting to go out there 90 minutes every single game you played. Listen, David, have a lovely birthday. Thanks very much for taking time out. Uh, don't forget to blow all those candles out. No problem whatsoever. She'll do that. <laughs> Happy birthday again, mate. Yes, Paul, thank you. Look after yourselves, you too. You too. That's David White joining us on XS Manchester 106.1 FM. If you just joined us now and you thought, oh, I would have loved to have listened to that interview or heard what Paul Dickoff had to say a little earlier on or find out a little bit about the 1894 group and the mosaic they're putting together, you can download this as a podcast. There's either an app, which is free, XS Manchester, or I will tweet out, XS Manchester will tweet out the podcast very soon and you can listen to that throughout the world, even if you're in China or in Melbourne or wherever that Paul Dickoff is next week or this week or last week because he's everywhere. This is the Manchester Football Social, Forever Blue with Ian Cheeseman.
This is Forever Blue, Excess Manchester 106.1 FM. Tomorrow night, it's the Wednesday Club, uh, and Joe's in the chair, uh, and I'll be here along with uh, with a comedian from Manchester United. And people think I'm just taking the mickey when I say that, but no, it's two different professional comedians who alternate every Wednesday. But I do like saying that United fans are comedians, don't you, Paul? Yeah, heavy out. Who's, who's the set of comedian? <laughs> Me. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm not really a comedian, am I? Um, anyway, we'll be talking football tomorrow. Uh, obviously, tomorrow's Halloween. Do you do anything specially for Halloween, Paul? No, nothing. Um, I scared the kids enough, so um, <laughs> my kids are all older now, so I'll be answering the door every two minutes. Giving you won't be. You'll be on the flight to no, Melbourne, no, no, won't no, you? Yeah, I, I don't miss Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we've got uh, Michael Brown now joining us, uh, who I saw down at, at Wembley yesterday. Uh, Brownie, what did you think of the game yesterday? Well, the, the big talking point, mate, was the it's been, been highly documented. It was a level. It didn't make it as fluent as it would have been. Two passing teams, obviously Spurs and City. It was a shame, really, for such a such a high end game with the players that that we were seeing the type of game we were seeing. Obviously, not, not the biggest crowd, forty, but a lot of people that sat at home wanted to watch the game last night and then expected a classic, and, and unfortunately, it wasn't. And the most important thing for City was that they, they took they took the points. Absolutely. I mean, from where we were sat, because obviously I were, you know, I saw you in the in the press box yesterday at Wembley, quite high up. I found it hard to tell whether that pitch was just discoloured or actually, you know, uneven. You felt ultimately, having watched that game, that it was even from where we were sat a very unfair disadvantage to all the players. Did you? Yeah, it wasn't good. I was down at pitch side doing a few bits and literally the, the knee of it where obviously all the coach sat, uh, that was really, really firm and no grass on it whatsoever. That was like concrete for a, a bit in front of the dugouts and the same on the other side. And then it was nothing and it just wasn't great. So um, considering what it was like the day before, they managed to, to do all right to get it to, to, get to even, you know, at some sort of level. But it was really that we're talking about and, and that was you know it wasn't part of the plan when, when the stadium had been delayed everything else was booked in and unfortunately um, and the game suffered well, we're just going to try and get your line a little bit better Michael so we'll just take a, a little we'll come back to you in a second but certainly if it was like concrete in one p part of the pitch Paul and then it was proper grass somewhere else that and it's you'd, you'd almost prefer it to be the same everywhere wouldn't you yeah you would and so even you know and I, was, I was just going to say to brownie there what he thought you know we were speaking before about laporte and john stones the amount of times they, they hoofed the ball 40 yards and, mm. and I, I swear they've probably done that more last night than they have done all season you know and that tells you that city when they play laporte's fantastic on the ball john stones fantastic on the ball and they want to play, but to see them doing that as often as they did told a story about the pitch. I actually saw, for the, I think it's the first time I've seen it, Edison drop kick the ball out of his hands last night. Yeah, I believe in Edison, when the ball was going back to him <laughs> a lot of the time, was just, and look, he can kick the ball further um, than most people, but I've never seen um, Manchester City play a longer ball, and that, that has to be, you know, it's, it's, it's playing to the conditions, which, which is great. Now, obviously, this Fulham game, um, we talked about it briefly before. Oh, hang on, Brownie's back. So let's go back to what we were talking about there. Uh, Paul was just talking about Laporte and, and Stone oofing the ball a bit more tomorrow. Do you think that was as a result of the, the pitch, Michael? I think they had to. I think the um, 
obviously the, the amount of detail they got. They got the game, they watched the game, watched certain areas, and that's the level of detail that Manchester City are going into now. They checked checked on it in a, in a big way, and they expected it to be worse than what it actually was. So they were already planned really to to not overplay and to play over that you know over that midfield area. So you look at Laporte and John Stone certainly can drop it in great quality on the ball, and you have to adapt at times. Yes, we want to play this ball and out from the back from Edison and you know th- through the thirds, but unfortunately sometimes it doesn't allow it. When you were a player, and obviously I know you played around, I know you played for City, obviously. When me and Paul played, that was being, I was like a carpet ball, wasn't it, yesterday? Brownie, you right. would have loved playing in that pitch. <laughs> it would be both weird. I was going to ask you about the best and worst you played on. But we can hey, believe I touched on the on pitch a serious all the time. Note, though, on a serious note, when you look at the players that didn't play, was that in the manager's thoughts? You know, yeah, Ericsson, it is a thought, De Bruyne, yeah. Uh, you know, and the, the, the place is so consecutive. So is that obviously in their thoughts that they, they thought he knew it would be a little bit more of a battle the game. Well, arguably, that's why Sane didn't play as well, isn't it? Because he would have been raiding down the wing. And uh, we've talked a little bit about the two fullbacks not being as effective as we've seen them before. And, and we wonder whether that was to do with the pitch as well. Well, it might have been. I think, I think for me, the, the disappointing thing that City will take from it is the amount of ch- the, the chances Spurs had. That, for me, they were slightly fortunate not to concede a goal. And the Lamella dance was an unbelievable chance. Obviously, Harry Kane, a pretty tough, um, going into Edison very well at his feet. And obviously, a dipping shot just over the bar. So there was just a couple of chances that really, that, that City could have been a little bit tighter on the day. Is it a three-horse race, then, City, Chelsea and Liverpool? I think it's two for me. I think um, Liverpool are going well at the game. Liverpool, Cardiff uh, at weekend, and they they had some good passages. They didn't really see off this Cardiff team until late on when Cardiff opened up and went for it. There's been a lot of you know people setting up against the top teams not to come out. It's a classic example of Cardiff. Uh, they just stayed in the game as long as they could. Put the extra striker on at 81 minutes to try and see if they could somehow get the equaliser, and then they were punished very. And that just shows what these players can do and how good the quality is when they get that little bit of extra space. Michael, thanks very much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate it. It's always good to talk to you. Catch up soon, Brownie, for a cheeky little glass of red, mate. guys. Anytime, mate. Yeah. Check out. See you <laughs> later. Buddy. That's Michael Brown. You, 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 you play with him? I did, yeah. I played a long time with Brownie. Um, good boy. He lives, lives locally as well, so he... We have the odd glass of wine every now and then. And you two had tough tackling and and. We tough, did. We used to love it. We used to love it. Did you used to get involved like that in training? Yeah, all the time, all the time. Yeah, myself. There was a few feisty characters in that team. Um, but you wanted to win, whether it be a training game, whether it be in the match, and you wanted to make sure you're in the team. So if, if you had to leave a bit on Sunday in training, you did. <laughs> <laughs> now, obviously, the, the, the you know the, the final thought I was going to say was about Pep and, and, and Michael's brought in the. Did he leave out Sane, maybe Kevin De Bruyne, etc., because of the practicalities of the pitch? We saw a few weeks ago at Anfield that for the first time, really, I think, while he's been the city manager, he approached the game in a completely different way. Um, you know, I wondered what he was going to do at Anfield, whether he was going to play like he did last season, just go toe to toe or what. And at the time when that happened, I wondered if it had just happened <coughs> by accident almost because Liverpool supposedly were in, were, were um, tired going into that game. But, but what happened last night to me makes it feel like I'm looking at Pep and thinking, you know what, he's now a lot more pragmatic than he once was. Well, he's, he's the best coach in the world, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, and 
you know, I don't think it's very difficult to question what he does. You know, if he ever does make a mistake, it gets magnified massively because he doesn't make them. <laughs> it's as simple as that. You know, he's a perfectionist. You know, Brownie there was talking about the the detail that they go into. You know, I've been in and around that, and he's uh, he's a attention to detail, not just from him, but from his staff and the information the players get is phenomenal. And it's okay having that, but you have to have a group of players that are going to take that information in, and that's why we're so good at the minute. Paul, it's always a pleasure to have you here, and particularly in between flights. Have a safe trip to uh, to Melbourne. Thank you very much. Enjoy your birthday on Thursday. I will. And uh, we'll see you soon, hopefully. Very soon. Back in the studio again. Thanks very much. Back with the Wednesday Club tomorrow. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.